All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. <laughs> I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? Hello, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And this week, we decided to get a little romantic with it. As we get into February, decided to get really sexy with it. And let's face it, we got kind of horny with it. We're, <laughs> we're talking The Love Witch. Um, Dave, this was your recommendation. How did you find this movie? Uh, you know, the... Uh iTunes is a beautiful thing because uh, they'll have sales every once in a while. And, and I am the kind of person who's always looking for a good sale. Um, I, I am somewhat of a thrifty person. Cool. And, and so when something comes up and it catches my eye and it is fairly inexpensive, I'm like, ha, what is this? And um, so I did a, a little bit of reading after watching the trailer. The trailer had me from, from the get go. I was like, this is incredible. What is this? Because uh, it looked like a, a Technicolor film from the 60s, but there were modern cars. And I was like, okay, so what exactly is going on here? And after doing a little bit of digging, I was like, okay, I got to watch this movie. And and so I committed to it. I, I paid the $5. <laughs> I feel like I owe Anna Biller much more money uh, because I, I, I definitely got my money's worth. And um, it's one of those movies where I, I don't recommend it often because I feel like it is a very specific kind of movie. But um, it, it is one that is just it, it's jarring and um, it's uh, it's beautiful to look at. I mean, this is uh, a celebration of Hollywood. Yeah, what's amazing about this movie is, uh, I mean, it's like a, it's a, it's a gumbo of all mm -hmm. these different things. I mean, it's obviously um, just this beautiful homage to the '40s and '50s and '60s to Hammer Horror. I mean, down to the the poster that that we put up on our Instagram. I mean, there's there's a lot of love here, but it's also a great satire in uh, mm -hmm. it's it, in the way that it does things. So just kind of. What do you, how do you feel about this movie overall? I know you're saying you're, you definitely got your money's worth, but take us through your, your, your ride of this movie. <laughs> um, so I, um, I, I'll, I'll start with this. Um, before any of the like set design and, and costume design, the music, the, the editing and any of that stuff, um, Samantha Robinson, who who plays uh, the the titular love witch? Yes, uh, Elaine is, Parks. Uh, Elaine Parks is distractingly beautiful. Just, I mean, like you know, honestly, when I heard that D come into your mouth, the first word that that I thought he's she's destructively gorgeous. Like she, I, like like just just wreck 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 my world. Just just what, take it all. 
whatever adjective you want to put <laughs> before beautiful or gorgeous or i mean it 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 needs an adjective and the adverb modifying the adjective there's no word that can describe the 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 beauty that this woman has i mean it's and and, and i know that that's part of the character right uh, like it, it, she needed to be cast that way so um it's what's incredible to me is that among the the situations that she finds herself in where she's accentuating and objectifying herself there's there's still a pull away from that because of the brilliance of the direction and the writing yes. where you're still not focusing on her body and on her beauty it's on the surroundings it's on the effects it's on the 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 set the decor the you know whatever it is that's going on at that moment so uh this this movie is a uh an, an incredible incredible thing because you're as as a man i'm watching this and i'm like that is one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Like uh, Ingrid Bergman, Marilyn Monroe. I mean, she she could hang in there with them, yes, you know. Uh, but then at the same time, like I'm picking up on all these feminist vibes that are being put out there, and I'm like, I am here for this. I'm along for the ride. You know, I I like to think of myself as a, not to sound too douchey, but as a somewhat <laughs> somewhat woke individual. You know, so I, I upon watching this movie, this is now the second time I've seen it. Uh, watching this movie the first time, I was like, man, this is just fucking awesome. This should be, um, this should be required viewing for becoming a man. You know, uh, because okay. it's uh, it's it's just it's one of those incredible um, views into the 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 female psyche and and what we as men drive women to do. You know, uh, and and to to me more more than anything else, I think that's that's what's most interesting about this movie. It's not how beautiful Samantha Robinson is. It's not uh, the incredibly seductive dances that she does. It's um, it's it's the commentary on on expectations that both uh, women have of men and that women feel uh, men have of them, which uh, of course is totally valid and more than likely close to a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. This was my first time seeing this. Um, when we started talking about, you know, like, uh, romance type of horror movies to do in February, you're like, dude, we've got to do love, Witch." so like I've, I've had it, I've had it back there in the back of my head. Like, all right, you know, we're definitely going to do this one. So I go to fire it up yesterday and really no idea what I'm in for. Kind of catch a blip on, mm -hmm. you know, as it starts and it's like uh, a tribute to, to Technicolor films. And I was like, okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I dig that. And man, as soon as it starts, like you're assaulted with what movies yeah. used to look like. Right. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, it was, it was, it was definitely a hell of a ride. There was, there was a, there was a lot of just weird things that, mm -hmm. uh, that, but, at no point were any of them ever take me too far out of the movie. 
Um, I did like a lot of the thing. I did like the look at some of some of what they did was uh, homage, and some of it was satirical. You know, exactly. there, there were times when they did things that were like that's like straight out of Suspiria, right? And then there and then there are times they did things, and it's like that is making fun of Suspiria. Like, <laughs> like, like both of those things coexisted within this movie, which was incredible. It, it this. The, the comparison that I made when it was over was it felt like the a, a horror movie version of Kill Bill in a way. Actually, where wow, that's a really, really good comparison, I it's, think. It it's obviously comes from a, a place of deep love and deep respect for what these movies did, but also is very aware of how ridiculous things could be. And it wasn't afraid to do both of those things to extreme, to extremes. It didn't, it did not shy away from creating scenes that if you took those frames and you drop them straight in a hammer horror, they would fit and nobody would notice. But then it also, I mean, man, when it, when it made fun, when it went the satire route, there's, there's a scene where, um, her friend, the British lady, her husband kills himself because mm-hmm. he has just fallen so deeply in love um, right. with Elaine that he can't live without her. And he ends up committing suicide. And she walks in and she finds him in the bathtub, wrist slit, arms out, blood, you know, water poured out of the tub, classic mm-hmm. wrist slitting scene. And then she goes to scream and we get this great like hammer horror zoom, <laughs> but they zoom in on her mouth. Yeah, And like they hit right on that mouth and it's like, and it's just kind of like barely a scream, but at the same time, it's like her mouth is filling up my whole TV. And I was like, that is so weird, but I love it. Um, it did and, a and lot of more British people in this Northern California town than I think I've ever seen in all of Northern California, right? which is also another great callback to, <laughs> to the hammer horror stuff. You know, you needed to have your Peter Cushing and your Christopher Lee and yes, the, you know, that and great so English accents. it did. It just, it, it, it did a lot of fun stuff. You're right. At the very beginning, I found myself desperately trying to place this movie in time because mm-hmm. she's driving a mid sixties Mustang. It's six, six, 67, somewhere around there. Um, but then the cop pulls her over and his car's more modern. And I was like, interesting. Mm-hmm. Then she gets to this town and this town is, is old. And I'm like, okay, but then you're right. The cars are newer. So I'm like, Okay, maybe they just didn't budget in needing to have cars around, and, and there were cell phones. Yeah, yeah. But, but then, she yeah. answers the cell phone in a tea room in a Victorian tea yes. room, <laughs> and then eventually, yes, her phone rings in the big. And I was like, okay, she's got an iPhone. Like, all right, so this is modern day. They're just somewhere like Salem, where everybody just lives yeah. a cosplay all the time. <laughs> um, so, it, but but that was. But while at first I thought that was going to be distracting, that ended up being. Part of the appeal of this movie was mm-hmm. the fact that it, it wasn't, it didn't care if you knew when it took place. Yeah, there were cell phones. It was obvious as modern times, but you get a couple scenes away from that. You forget somebody has a cell phone and you're watching this cop in his giant shoulder pad coat <laughs> go out and pour himself coffee. And they're having these conversations <laughs> like small, like, uh, like it's Mayberry, you know, like yeah. about who you mess with and who you don't. It's like, Wait, maybe it is old. I don't know, but you you stop caring. Not that even in much. Wall Street did <laughs> did uh, did Michael Douglas wear a suit with with padding that His big shoulders, the shoulders. Were so big, like Glenn Close <laughs> going to the Oscars <laughs> in the eighties. Big, and, 
And so there was there was so much fun mm-hmm. to be had in this movie. And you're absolutely right, you know, and we'll talk about it more when we get to ratings. It's not one where every time I meet somebody and they tell me they like a scary movie, I'll be like, oh, watch Love Witch. Right. But it's it definitely it definitely has its place. I really enjoyed watching it. It was super weird, and we're gonna get into all just the the bizarre, bizarre stuff. But one thing that was uh, really that was great to me, and it it it's the type of thing that goes back to one of the things that makes Hereditary to me is they while they while it was obviously about a witch and about witchcraft, they put the time into making sure the things that they were saying were accurate to the best of my knowledge. Like I said, mm-hmm. I I you know it's 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 a hobby uh, learning about a cult. You are our uh, occult uh, yeah. specialist here. Yes. Um, but, and so, but they also very smartly never dug, they didn't dig too deep. They didn't put themselves in a hole where they were just going to have to try to talk themselves out of it with a bunch of magical sounding words, right? They didn't just have to start talking about the astral plane because they were stuck. You know, it's like when you're watching a hacker movie and it's obvious that the person who, or or like the movie hackers, and it's obvious (laughs) that the people who who wrote it uh, know a little bit about computers and then they get in real deep and they just start like googling buzzwords they yeah. never dug themselves a hole quite that deep and so that was really good cuz there was a minute where she met the she meet you we meet the people from her coven mm-hmm. and they start like dropping all these like types of you know classes that they teach in this and I was like ooh like uh, they're starting to they're starting to drop some real like Alistair Crowley shit here. Like mm-hmm. they better toe this line really careful. And then they just move on. And I'm like, cool, you did yeah. it right. You hit me with the buzzwords, but then you didn't pretend like you knew what they meant, even if the writer did. Right. And they didn't force <laughs> it upon me. And that was great. It did a lot of really good things. I, 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 I had no idea. Like I had zero expectations of this movie. When I hit play, all I had was a poster. It went up on our Instagram. Yeah. That was all I knew about it. And I was oh, like, who great. is this woman? And I need to watch a movie with her in it. Yeah. And um, that's kind of how I went into it the first time as well. I was just like, wow, this, this, this actress is gorgeous. And I'll watch anything with her in it. So, um, but you, you, you touched upon something that, um, that I think is really central to this movie's um core uh you you called it weird and it definitely is weird uh because it's uh it's 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 like you said it's a it's a gumbo you know you just throw a bunch of stuff in this pot and um it either works or it doesn't uh we talked recently about um we need to do something Yes, and 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 I think you mentioned you 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 said the same thing there, where it was it, it was kind of like a gumbo pot. You just threw a bunch of stuff in there, and some of the stuff works, and some of the stuff doesn't. Um, in this movie, everything from choice of film stock because it was shot on thirty-five millimeter film to editing techniques because it was edited on thirty-five millimeter film uh, to costuming, set design. Uh, I, everything about this movie is the vision of Anna Biller. And uh, she wrote, directed, edited. Um, I mean, if, if she could have written the music, I'm pretty sure she would have done that too. <laughs> you know? Uh, so when, when you're trying to 
to bring something to film, right? Um, what does this do to the film as as a whole, and then as 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 like the the parts as well? You know, the parts that make up the whole. So, what's amazing about this movie is you can tell that you know when this movie was made uh with it was it's like oscilloscope productions or something like that yeah. is the name of it um the the creator of this movie was never it's it would seem as though no one ever tried to rein her in and in a, in a world where that's constantly happening and while so often we do get great movies that are a decently pure idea of what the creator's vision were. When I watched this movie, I couldn't help but think that there, that there, there, there isn't a director's cut for this because every bit of this movie is exactly the vision that she had. Uh, I, I did, I did look into the, the, the creation process today because I was interested in how they got that look so specific. And I was like, Oh, because they just made it like that. Yeah. Like you said, they <laughs> actually filmed it on 35 millimeter and yeah, like they probably had that machine, right. Where it like chops right on it yep. and then they, they put them <laughs> together. And uh, so it's just, it was incredible to see something from beginning to end fully encompass what must have been uh, the creator, director, writer's vision for what a movie should be. I, it was, like I said, as soon as it starts, you've got you've got uh, Elaine driving the car. And it's this really classic looking scene where it's like, obviously, you know, special effects behind her, right? There's a screen mm -hmm. back there. It reminded and, me very much of those old Alfred Hitchcock movies yes, where, yeah. you know, the, the, the femme fatale is driving away from something and you don't know exactly. what. Exactly. And so, but then, and, and then, and then, and then there's this real harsh shift when she gets pulled over. And even though you're, you know, you're looking you're like, okay, that's obviously a pretty modern California, but then the cop pulls up and, and just the, the way that it looks. And that was, that was so important to the movie as a whole. Uh, and, uh, but there are just so many great little technical things that they did. Like, like we said that when, when you look at the way everybody's dressed and everybody's hair is styled, it, it leaves you with those moments where you're wondering when is this supposed to be kind of, you know, taking place and, and just I, I, the moment she got out of that car, at the very beginning there, like I said, it was this real harsh transition of, of what everything looked like, but it worked so well. And it just reminded me of so, so many things. Um, the music, the scoring, mm -hmm. just that somebody just banging on an organ, right? <laughs> like, like sometimes it really feels like there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just somebody just smashing keys and seeing what happens. Like it, it came across as, as like this pure emotion while also yeah being like okay remember when this was like really scores for like important high up movies and like this is what their scores sounded <laughs> yeah. like that was fun right and so they did a, they did a lot of great things uh some of the set design um on our background here you know we've got the wallpaper that was in that was in Elaine's uh apartment that she was renting yeah. and it was just it was so cool looking and it was so kitschy and it was so on the nose. And while we have used on the nose as a derogatory thing before on this podcast, 
this movie, the entire thing is supposed to be on the nose, right? So she walks in and the lady even tells her, she's like, oh, this room is tarot inspired. And she was into all this witchcraft and stuff like that. She's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, mm-hmm. oh, I know. And so she walks in and it's just like, oh, wow. Like she meant it. Like just statues of mm-hmm. naked people and bizarre paintings. Stained and glass windows. Yes. The stained glass windows, <laughs> just straight up pentacle, just right there in the stained glass window, stuff like that. Uh, just so much of that stuff. It fit this movie so perfectly that you know, you just know, without seeing a behind-the-scenes featurette, you know that it's just exactly what the person wanted to make. That purple house. Just that giant oh, it's, purple it's house. Gorgeous. Oh, it's what, so it's beautiful. I'm pretty sure that I would murder someone <laughs> to live in that house. Um <laughs> You know, not not someone I like, you know, right. uh, but not someone I really dislike either because I don't want to be pegged for it. Right. You know, but but someone maybe I've never met this person, you know, you like know? that whole th- it's like push the button on this box and somebody you've never met dies. You get this house. But ding, yeah. Push OK, it. yeah. <laughs> so I can't get on board with that. <laughs> there we go. But like I said, it's just. You know, we we talked about I and it's 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 funny. Like I said, I keep referencing Hereditary, but we got that same type of feel. Now, when we got to Midsummer, we did eventually find it. You know, or we did know there was a director's cut, but it was probably just because of length. But still, that's still a studio coming at you and telling. I mean, not even Marvel is is immune from a studio controlling their vision because mm-hmm. of you know mainly numbers in China. It seems like it's always the the yeah. number one reason that's coming out. But it, it was it was it was a breath of fresh air to see something like this from beginning to end and just know that you were living inside of someone's masterpiece. Yeah, and I I kind of felt that way too because it it happens so infrequently, I think. And uh, you do have to go into that like independent film world to find that. And the um as as kind of, I think of myself as like an average Joe, you know, like I, I, I don't think that I'm hoity-toity. Uh, I don't think I'm particularly bougie. You know, I do like uh, a lobster bisque every hey. now and then, you know, uh, throw some lobster in that mac and cheese. But I don't think I'm particularly bougie, you know. So I, I'm, I'm not the artsy-fartsy kind that needs to see art house movies all the time. But the problem is that with uh, independent movies, that's typically what you get is you get those (laughs) art house movies. Just the one French lady smoking a cigarette in black black and white. It's like an Andy Warhol movie where it's just eight hours of, 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 of a dude on a bed, you know? And it's like, okay, listen, I I mean, that one testicle is nice, but let's move past this. Let's, let's see something else. You know, so uh, so it's really nice to see like a complete movie, something that um, there not only is an attempt at, but like a, a really good attempt at making a movie. And although I do think that this is more of an exploration of female <clears throat> female sexuality than it is um, a movie itself. Uh, because I do think that this is uh, stronger as a collection of ideas than it is a movie. Um, it is yeah. it, it is one hundred percent 
someone's vision, one person's vision. Right. And that so rarely happens that you get something that is uniquely someone's vision. This happens in um, in the music industry. You know, you'll get someone like uh, like an Adele who can put out an album and it is exactly what she heard in her mind or, or like a lady Gaga, right. Uh, who, who put something out and it's like, this is exactly what I heard in my head from start to finish. You know, you see this obviously with artists, uh, you see it with, with writers, with authors, but you don't see this in the film industry because of you know the monster that is the studio system. And so it's, it's great to see this here. And then of course, it happens to be a movie that both celebrates and satirizes something I love so much, which are those those cheesy, cheesy 60s horror movies where it's uh, it's all atmosphere. Yes. It's 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 not it's not jump scares. Um, you know, it's not even really the murders or anything. Yeah, like I mean, that this movie the, was zero jump scares. Like it, it was none. It was scary because of what was going on at times, but there, it, yeah. it never, there were no jump scares. Not none at all. You know, and uh, the the horror here is uh, is is real horror when you start looking at what um, what the witch is an allegory for. You know, the the, the witch is as womanhood. You know? Right. Uh, and and I, I think that when you give one person uh, the right person, the ability to make whatever they want and give them a voice and say your 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 voice is valid and should be heard right now, go. You can get something like this and uh, everything from uh, the the costumes you know, she, uh, Anna Biller said that she was like hand stitching costumes together, uh, that she was buying fabric from one vintage dress to sew onto another vintage dress to get <laughs> the exact look that she wanted. The, the rug that's in her room, the one with the pentagram on yes. it, she handmade. Gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous it rug. Really but you know, it's, where are you going to find something like that? It doesn't exist. Not in the colors you want, right? When you need them to pop in this, you know, old Technicolor style. So that's and and when you see that amount of effort put into anything, it must be applauded. And 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 not just you know a golf clap. I'm I'm talking like standing ovation. Uh, you know, insert GIF of standing ovation here. You know, th yes. that's that's the sort of of um, of acknowledgement that this sort of of work needs. Because when you do have the vision, and you're allowed to pull it off the way that you want to, um, that is an incredible thing. And I think that um, we haven't seen something like that in the studio system since the late 70s early 80s when guys like steven spielberg and martin scorsese were uh tipping the studio system on its head yeah so as, as we talk about the things that that when we talk about the vision obviously you even you even said you know it kind of works better as a collection of ideas so let's look at the story and the characters that we're presented with here for, for good and for bad, you know, it, what we have is one contiguous story about a woman who just wants someone to be in love with her and the links that she will go to for that. So when you're looking at it as a work of satire, as an homage, 
as a story. All of those things hinge on the characters that were getting that were given and how it plays out over the course of this two hours long. So over 120 minutes, how does it play out? So as you look at the Technicolor aspects, the the homage parts versus the modern work, the very obviously modern uh, feminist ideals that are presented here. How do you think that those things blended together into what they presented as this movie story? I, I think they blend together pretty seamlessly uh as as seamless as the uh as the carpet in in her room you know uh anna biller is a pretty great seamstress you know um and i i think that uh plot can be used for different things right plot can be used to tell an intriguing story a la alfred hitchcock style movies you know uh should have just said hitchcockian sorry about that (laughs) Ah. um uh, or stories can be used to explore ideas, right? Um, I think that the Suspiria remake is kind of like that, where the story kind of just meanders, but it's because it's exploring an idea uh, a lot more than the original Suspiria does. The original right. Suspiria uses story to frighten, and it uses story to progress this um this narrative forward um it's using story to scare you right um this movie uses story and its characters simply as a way to explore ideas and the ideas that are being explored is you know the the difference between how men and 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 women experience romance the expectations that there are of relationships and uh you have um you have Elaine on one side and you have Trish on the other side and, and they, Elaine obviously representing everything that is trauma and Trish representing the modern ideal of feminism. Right. Uh, You know, I, I, I don't give my husband sex because he uh, needs sex or wants sex. I give him sex because that's, you know, uh, uh, something I want to do at that moment. Right. And, and Elaine argues that, that, that that is the way to get a man to love you, you know, and we see her doing all of those very stereotypical, um, you know, I love Lucy housewife things, you know, having the, you know, the slippers ready at the door sort of thing, you know, the big, the big breakfast, the huge, your, the breakfast. big breakfast. Yeah. Even, even after she, you know, like we get this internal monologue of her where she just quite literally, she's like, man, what a pussy. Yes. Like, I thought I finally found a man and now this guy's just a sobbing mess, but she's still making this huge breakfast and going up and consoling him. And, and I love you because yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's, I love Lucy-esque. Yeah, and, and and I think that was one of the most interesting things about this movie, that that inner monologue about how you know oh he's just a big pussy, uh, because what what she has wanted is love, right? And and he's on the verge of tears because uh, yeah. while she's still in his presence, because he loves her so much at that point, right? And uh, w- what she wants is, is the love of a traditional man. But now he's assumed more of that feminine role, right? He's lost that traditional masculinity, and it's no longer something that she finds appealing. 
And, and that was one of those things that I found really, really interesting. It's like, ah, okay. So, you know, feminine love does not mean, uh, or, or, or rather, you know, what the, the love that, you know, the, the woman looks for is not necessarily uh, any kind of love, but it's a specific kind of love. Right. And it's, it's because it's, it's every one person needs a different kind of love. You can't tell someone like, Hey, this is the love that you're getting because this is the love that I have to give. Well, then you're not the right match, you know? And uh, so we, we, we see her in all these different scenarios and, you know, granted, we don't know if we can trust everything she says about Jerry, her first husband, uh, because she continually twists the truth. You know, she's not a very trustworthy narrator. However, um, I am more than willing to believe that he was abusive uh, because we do get voiceover narration. There it is, yeah. uh, uh, Jerry and her father, right, Uh, where they are clearly abusive even if only emotionally abusive and not physically abusive and i hate to say only emotionally abusive right. because in many ways that can be worse you know um and and so you know that that's really where all this stems from you know and then there's this idea that the witchcraft comes and and saves her and 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 there's this rebirth into the woman that she is now except that the witchcraft that came and saved her is is twisting what what the um what female empowerment really is you know it, it's it's kind of in a, in a lot of those ways where you you hear that like uh that stripping or hooking or something is um is actually uh empowerment female empowerment and and there there is a lot to say about that where it's like i'm i'm gonna take my own body and i'm going to do with it what i want and i'm gonna take your money and you know make myself empowered with it you know because if you're willing to pay me to just look at me then i'm willing to show you right you know but the that's not what's going on in the head of the person who's throwing those singles at you well and so, what, what's what's awesome about that idea of the, the witchcraft twisting things too is uh it, the the guy who was who was running the coven uh what what was that he had gain was it gain yes that's it gain yeah. um it was it was this it was this really weird thing because it while while you're right it you know it did it took that idea and twisted it but he was so upfront with it right like when you when you read stories of Aleister Crowley taking this idea of magic and basically just turning it into, you know, using it to make himself the most feared man in the world. And, uh, and, you know, he just used it because he was just always desperately seeking a new power bottom. Um, so (laughs) truth. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and so, you know, you see a lot of that in, in this guy gain, right. Where it's like, man, this is that, this guy is very much portraying that that one dude that goes to every party, you know, like he's, you know, he's just like that real hipstery douche guy who knows like just enough about feminism to try to make himself seem like a lot more than he is. And that was the feeling that I got from Gain um, as a character. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. This guy talks a big game, 
about female empowerment, but then we get the flashback to, you know, her initiation scene and it's like, that's kind of rapey. Yeah. You're, you're, and, you're clearly taking advantage. Yeah. Of and, and you know, they're, they're, they're these girls that I, I think they said they were, you know, if they were, I don't remember if they said their age, but they didn't look like they'd been 18 long. Right. If they were, <laughs> if they were 18 at all, you know, and he's just, he's just a gross with them and, and how quickly they're coming along. And so it became this idea of, of while, uh, witchcraft is what saved her and brought her to where she is. Also, maybe what she's been taught as the norm is this perverted version of it, which has only led yeah. to more trauma, which is a really interesting look into, you know, healthy versus unhealthy coping mechanisms. You know, it's great. It is great to go out there and find something, you know, anybody's life can be saved by anything. You know, uh, we we've we've had the the talk before about different things where it's like, well, you know, like in Midsommar, it's like, well, yeah, but maybe her life's better now, even right. though she chose to kill her boyfriend. <laughs> um, and so that was that was really weird. Definitely to me because, better without without that ass. Yeah, Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, like doubt is like his facial. And I was like, man, this this guy is supposed to be like an even creepier straight version of Aleister Crowley and yeah. and this idea of sex magic you know and 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 all things coming the birthplace of all things and that that's why he you know that's why he had to get at that cooch right because that's 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 the that's the the old the old the old fertile valley um right. and so it was it was it was interesting to see because at first when we meet her that's exactly what we're presented with this idea of the fact that witchcraft was so empowering to her and mm -hmm. it made her who or who, who she was. And then they did a really good job of one talking about how the town might, you know, is obviously, is obviously going to put her in a box right away. Like they accept witches, but maybe mm -hmm. they don't, you know, we, we all accept things until we don't. Right. So they're, they're all accepting the witches cause they've been there, but she's in this box of, ah, she's a witch. We'll put up with her. And so we're like, okay, well, so she's chosen this life. That was very brave of her because uh, she's never, you know, she's very brazen about the fact that she's a witch. Right. You know, it's, it's never like a behind closed doors thing. Mm -hmm. But then once we learn more about it, it's like, oh, my God, this woman has been taken advantage of at every turn. At every, and then the one thing that she thinks is has made her who she is is continually making her life more difficult. And while she definitely did seem to have some understanding of that, like when she first runs into Gain and she turns her face, yeah, so he she, can only kiss there's, her There's, a, kiss there's her a definite disdain there. Yes. You know, like she, uh, she still seems to really love and appreciate Barbara, who I got very, um, like Ghislaine Maxwell vibes from Barbara. Yeah. You know, where it was like, you know, she, she may not necessarily believe in all this and she's kind of just using it as a way to, um, be powerful. Yeah. To further herself, her agenda, you know, to further her agenda and, and, uh, you know, whatever she needs to do to get gain his, um, you know, his, his snatch, them. Yeah, exactly. And 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 by by helping provide that, then she's put into this position of power um, within that coven. And if you know, if that's, you know, 
it, it's in the, the, the idea of power is always interesting, right? Because mm -hmm. there are people who don't view themselves as powerful unless they're in charge of a lot of people. You know, our former president is just always hungry for power. His, his entire life revolved around what people thought of him and that they had to think he was the greatest person ever. Right. Barbara was very happy to just be in that position with her coven. She seemed like she had found her lane. And as long as the people there viewed her as being in a position of power, she was okay with that. And if that meant she had to turn a blind eye to the fact that Gain was obviously super creepy, <laughs> then she was willing to do that. So it was it, that that was fascinating to me because just the, the two sides of the witchcraft that we were presented with. Also, the third side of that witchcraft we're presented with. God damn, did this movie love some full frontal? Yes, Look, we're gonna and, talk. And, we're gonna talk story. We're gonna talk visuals. Talk about some visuals where it's just like, all right, which time y'all get ass naked? Everyone was naked. There, there was cock and balls. There was vagina. There was boobies. Man, oh, so many boobies. Equal opportunity, full frontal too. That there was one dude who was like so old he could just barely like kneel down, and he couldn't do it that well. And then when they all stood up, he could just barely stand up. And we had yeah. to see that man's ding dong. So yeah. you but know you, they. You know what? It might have been like a lifelong dream. Of He's like, <laughs> you know what? Since I was a boy. I wanted to be in a movie and then someone came along and they were like, sir, we're going to make that happen. Are you willing to take off your pants? They're already off. Yeah, exactly. What more do you want? Didn't put yeah. them on this morning. Cause I forgot. <laughs> so here we go. It looks like a button wearing a fur coat. Enjoy. <laughs> right. So that is what it looked like. <laughs> That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. Um, and so it was, but man, like, I, and it was, it was also interesting in the fact that with the it was never presented in a vulgar way. They even went to a yeah. strip. Yeah, they went to a burlesque club. You know, it mm -hmm. was not a strip club. So, you know, it was it was a burlesque club, which, by the way, shout out to the amazing April Showers who mm -hmm. showed up and did uh, and did her routine in there and her amazing nipple tassel work. And that's not it, even just the sexual it thing. Is, it is unrivaled. That is that yeah. is just that's an incredible thing to be able to do. Like, I mean, she's spinning them the same way, opposite ways, like one at a time. It, and that's not, that's incredible. That's yeah, incredible. It, it took me years to even get close to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you, so make sure you head to our uh, official merch store where you can buy your shiver branded nipple tassels. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, you know, so they go to this burlesque club and, well, you know, in this idea of this movie and the feminist ideal, it was it, it was always presented. The nudity was always presented in a way that was part of the storytelling. It was never vulgar. It was never, you know, too over the top. You know, like they could have very well gone full Aleister Crowley and given us this big explanation about how, you know, we need, like you're supposed to use cum, not blood because blood magic is barbaric and all that. And we could have yeah. had to watch all of that happen, but you know, they left that up to the imagination and they, they just gave us, you know, the idea that, that this, this coven is very free with their bodies and, and they were okay with that. And, it was kind of rad, it, you know, and again, just like in Midsommar, equal opportunity, full frontal. I'm here for it. Like if, if you're going to, if you're going to put somebody naked, put everybody naked. I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, it's, it's not going to traumatize me to see an old man wiener. 
I've, you know, so I've, I've been to, I've been to a YMCA shower. They love to have a conversation, yeah. you know? So just, it, it, it was, it was great in the in fact. All, in, that, all, in all fairness, the best way to dry your balls is to air dry them. Oh, I agree 100%. So, so as long as I'm waiting, I mean, I might as well have a conversation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it was, there, there, there were a lot of great things about the story. A lot of, a lot of fun little things. Um, just, just the idea that she moves to this town and they just happen to have like, you know, an, er, a, an, um, a magical herb shop and they're like, hell yeah, we'll sell your witch bottles. Bring it on. You it's know? almost like this takes place in an alternate universe Yes, where, um, like witchcraft became, I, 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 I don't know, like, like the fourth most popular, a religion in the world <laughs> you know yeah uh you know where it's it's like like a, a like above hinduism and above buddhism and it's just like it, it's right there because she talks about it in a way with um with the police officer um uh, what the hell was his name griff griff she talks about it with griff and she was like oh you know much in the same way as your christianity yeah uh, and, and it's just it's so flippant in the way that she says it you know and 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 i i do know that you know witch witchcraft and and wicca and all you know it, it, it is it is a religion that uh that is taken seriously by by those who practice it um but in the eyes of the the public i mean it's it it it's certainly isn't yeah i mean you know for you would based on the things you hear you know you you garner the assumption that that wicca is still just something that's like ah it's just a bunch of hippies in the woods right and you know and and that's as far as it goes and so to be in this town where they're just like oh she's one of those witches and then and you know for the cops to sit around and be like this town has had a great relationship with the witches for a long time. So I say we stop (laughs) investigating this like to to me it, it was it was like uh, it was exactly like those hammer horror movies where where there was like the the village pub and uh, like the new guy who was strolling into town was looking for the castle yes. where all the vampires or the werewolves or or the gorgons or whatever lived. And everyone would be like, oh, we're not going up that way. No, no, sir. It's <laughs> not going to happen. That was the exact same voice I was going to do that <laughs> bit in. Because you're right. It's like somebody goes into town. They're like, make sure you get to bed on time. There's werewolves around here. And it's like, yeah. what? We just, we just discussed that over a pint now? Like, shouldn't yeah. you call somebody? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so the the story that's told here it's so it's so bizarre because of these <laughs> things are just they're just out there and yeah. but it's also told in such a way where you're just like yep all right cool town should visit sometime it, it, can, <laughs> it can only exist in that town yeah it's almost it's almost like uh this is such a bizarre comparison it's almost like napoleon dynamite Right, like okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Nobody, nobody lived to the extremes that the characters in Napoleon Dynamite do, but in this one town (laughs) that they're in, they're just somebody else. Oh, that's just Napoleon, you know. That's you know, like that. That was the feel it had at times, where it's just like I'm done trying to place this in time in the United States. I'm, 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 I'm just along for the ride. That's, that's how I felt about, uh, do you ever see one called Kung Fury? Yes. 
Oh my God. I love this movie. I, I watch it multiple times a year. Um, I love it so much that even That's the one with the woodchuck chucks, right? The woodchuck chucks. Beaver chucks? No. No, maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. I do remember Kung Fury, though. I'm just, I swear there was a movie where a guy had nunchucks made of like beavers or woodchucks or something. Anyway, I thought it's, it was Kung um, Fury. It's the one where um, Hitler travels in time to uh to become the kung fuhrer yes that's right the kung fuhrer okay wait okay yes back on board now <laughs> yeah um and it the it starts off in 1985 miami that does not exist it never existed <laughs> like that miami like not even on miami vice was that miami the real miami and yet it feels like oh no yeah that's that, that's yeah. it that's yeah. that, that's the world you know and and the <laughs> the the viking era that he goes back to you know with laser raptors like it's like yeah that's that is that is the the realm in which this takes place and it feels totally natural and there's there's something and, and a lot of that has to do with with, with the characters and the characterization yeah. as well you know griff is that stereotypical policeman oh my god the mo so we were talking earlier about when 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 he's like we leave those witches alone and the guy starts arguing with him and he punches him for the audio oh listener God. these he are these are the biggest air quotes i could possibly <laughs> make like that was that was so laugh out loud perfect and amazing and funny and one of those satirical moments that just could not have been any better because the dude like goes i mean like like an hbk bump right just goes flying <laughs> back like Shawn michaels and then it's just like that dude i don't even think he straightened his elbow <laughs> no it was it was it, it was like a rock'em sock'em robot one of those and, uh punching nuns <laughs> and the and the sound effects sounded like like you blew air into like a brown paper bag yeah. and just went pop yeah. you know like it was it was like obviously bad like it was supposed to be and, yeah. and it, it was it was so funny it's 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 so good you know and 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 you know characters like uh like richard and how sleazy he is you know like it, it everything about this is is i think handled so perfectly um and of course the the star really is Samantha Robinson like she is the the thread that holds everything together without her performance it's just the the, the movie uh the movie works but you you need her to have it work as well as it does she really understood what made uh starlets in the 60s like Britt Eklund and Ingrid Pitt, such like incredible hammer bombshells, yeah. you know, uh, like you need, it, what was it about Caroline Monroe that made her absolutely irresistible in these movies, not just to the men in the movies, but to the men watching the movies, right? Uh, and it, it wasn't her acting, you know, it, it, it was the way that she acted, but it wasn't the acting itself. Right. And, and, and it was a, a certain gravitas that you bring to the role, like an intangible thing that uh, that she really embodied because she is actually a really great actress. Um, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And uh, and she was like astounding in the movie. You know, a totally different acting style. Right. Uh, like this is not Hayden Christensen 
you know, where <laughs> where like the acting gets nominally better uh, if you move away <laughs> from from Star Wars. Like, you know, she uh, she delivered a, a very specific performance for this movie. And, and I mean, personally, I I loved it. I think that that the, the way the story and the characters are developed to explore these themes is just incredible. And speaking of the themes, right? I mean, uh, it, if um, if it was a dog, it would bite you. Um, feminism is like conspicuous, conspicuously on display here, right? Um, how does Anna Biller weave this story about the the feminist experience into? a horror movie like is that done efficiently effectively um what what did you think so there, there are there are a couple of really standout things uh that that come forward here when you start to look at the the feminist uh the feminist perspective in this movie the mm -hmm. the first uh, the first one that 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 we talked about earlier is that very first conversation that elaine has with trish and mm -hmm. so we're presented with these these two ideas of of feminism and how it should exist and that moment is very telling because of the idea that you know we've reached as a society so often about so many things where there's your there's this opinion and there's this opinion when obviously probably in the middle somewhere is mm -hmm. is where the 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 finest solution lies but we have we've become very tribal in so many beliefs that we have now that there's only my way and your way. And so when we're first presented with that, we get these two obviously feministic ideas, you know, this one of my body, my power. And if I and if I choose to to be subservient then as long as it's my choice, then that would, you know, and in, in from what I know, that is still, you know, a feminine, uh, a, a feminist idea. And then there's this other one of, no, I, I have the power and, you know, like, therefore I make the decisions and I only do what I want. And so, you know, there's, there's this idea that, that there's, there's something in the middle there, right. Mm -hmm. Of, of having your power, but also, you know, part of being powerful being that you're willing to, you know, give some of it up. This is, a, a, you know, uh, just a little little sidebar here. David, I did approach and and try to get a female on this episode. It was on our. <laughs> there, there were there were a number <laughs> a number of female co-hosts that we tried to get on here, uh, all all within the uh, the the Geek Road Network. Yes, and. Uh, Every single person that we asked was tied up doing something. So, else. so if if we say something that cross the, 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 the that is incorrect or crosses a line, then please feel free to tweet at us at ShiverPod. Let us know what we said wrong because we'd love to hear from you because we're we're shooting from the hip with this one, right? We've got <laughs> we've got we've we've got the textbook idea of what these things should be, and we're kind of coming at you with it. So the the other really just in your face moment about um where, where you're faced with this ideal is when they go to the summer solstice festival and mm -hmm. we get the dueling internal monologues between elaine yes. and griff that was such a jarring moment but such a great it's moment. so 
powerful mm-hmm. and set to the backdrop of them being so happy in this mock marriage and at this, you know, this, this, uh, you know, I believe they even called it a midsummer festival. Um, yeah, they did and so set, set to that backdrop. You're getting her internal monologue where we're, we're basically kind of getting a deeper understanding of what she told Trish at the beginning of mm-hmm. just wanting love. And, you know, if love means that, that she's got to give herself wholly to somebody, then that's what she's willing to do, which, you know, it, it, it would be her choice. And then you've got this really weird thing coming from Griff, which until this moment, all we've known is Griff is a cop. He really likes this girl, you know, and, but he's, he's investigating her, but he wants to take her on a date. And then we get like this really gross, like red pill alpha male bullshit internal monologue that yeah. he starts spitting about how the feminist ideal only or the, the excuse me the ideal uh the oh god what does he call it like the feminine ideal not feminist there we go like mm-hmm. the feminine ideal only exists when you first meet someone and then as you get to know them you know it just degrades and you're just left with this gross person who doesn't care and you're suddenly just assaulted with this other side of grip that is just gross. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah like there, there's no other word to describe his monologue that comes across. And when it's paired with her talking about, you know, like meatloaf, RIP will do anything for love, but not that <laughs> Elaine will do that and more. Right. <laughs> you know, Elaine's <laughs> idea of love is I'm here for you. I'm ride or die. You want it? I do it. I got it. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're you're listening to her fall madly, deeply, truly in love with this guy, <laughs> and and then you're listening to him talk about how it's only a matter of time before she's essentially just going to be like a gross bag of meat. And it was, it was so. You're jarring. I think is the word you used. It yeah. was. It was so weird and 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 so jarring and like it was especially since like we we only had one other hint at his level of douchebaggery uh at the police precinct where uh you know he kind of, he's he's joking around with the female police officer officer and uh he's clearly leading her on but then he immediately talks to uh, to the other detective and he's like, Oh, well, you know me, I'm not the settling down. Right. You know? And, and it's like, Whoa, which is, you know, a great okay, James Cagney you know? line. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a great classic, uh, classic, like, you know, movie, yeah. uh, you know, uh, masculine, you know, machismo guy. Yeah. Like but, Rock Hudson probably said that every day of his life. Yeah. 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 I'm sure he did. <laughs> Uh, for for those listeners who are uh, neither seventy years old uh, <laughs> nor have an appreciation for uh, the finer vintage um, uh, things in life, just look up Rock Hudson. You'll know what it's about. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. So, so there was like that kind of hint that maybe he was this um, you know very machismo sort of guy, and then we get that. And it's like, man and and at that point like you feel for samantha even though she's she's like murdered uh two yeah. people essentially um like manslaughtered 
Manslaughter for sure. You know, for sure, manslaughter. Murder might be taking it far. You know, uh, but you feel for her because, it, like, there clearly is trauma that she's trying to work through to to get all of this stuff uh, out of her system. You know, but but at the same time, like, she she still wants what she wants, right? And 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 she deserves that. Yeah, the I, fact the fact that no man can give it to her is 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 one. I mean, not really her problem. You know, and 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 two, uh, like intimately her problem because it means that she stays alone. Yeah, it's it was, it was bizarre. I mean, down to the fact that at the end we kind of see her. I mean, well, I guess we do see her snap, right? We by the by the end of the movie, she's actually at least committed one full blown murder. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but even then, like this idea of right before she decides to. But right before she makes the move to kill Griff, you know, obviously there's there's a little bit of a psychotic break there. You know, she starts seeing the vision of all these men that she loved because that is one thing. That is one thing that, that it, you know, it could be a trauma response. It could just be the way she was trained. But even after these men not fulfilling what she wanted, Samantha really did love all of these guys. You know, if for the for the short times that she knew them, she... It even after she called the guy a pussy, you know, mm -hmm. she still very respectfully buried him and put the witch bottle with him to protect him. Mm -hmm. And 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 she still talked about the men that she loved, even if they did her wrong or they didn't fulfill this idea mm -hmm. of what she had. <clears throat> and she's suddenly like haunted by all of that. But yeah, because you don't get that voiceover of Jerry or her father until after she uh, she buries the professor. Right, we get that when she's. Maybe masturbating, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> she's, she, yeah, she's, she's rubbing herself with the... lotion, and there's some moaning going on. Yeah, um, which um, I think was maybe the hottest scene in the whole oh movie. My God. Um, and yeah, and I, I know I know that the point of this movie is um, like to work against the objectification of women, and that's that's not what I'm trying to do here. Uh, but oh my God! Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, there, there's yeah. That moment was insane, but, um, <laughs> but so, so, but then right before she goes through with all of this, she sees that, uh, the tarot card, the heart with the three swords in it, right. which is always the future card that lets her know that this man isn't going to cut it. This mm -hmm. isn't going to be the guy. And then suddenly we're sucked into this place where we realize that the thing that we've been presented with as what's going to save her is going to be what ends her like this, this devotion, you know, like I said, psychotic break aside, this devotion to, to the witchcraft and to having to live out with, with what the cards say, you know, so then, th then she ends up killing him. And so it's just like, you know, we, we taught, we said that, you know, the witchcraft is what saved her, but also, I mean, it's, it's what ended her. It, it's, it's what brought about, you know, just when she had nothing left. One other feminist ideal that was presented in this, that's, I guess it's, it's partially a feminist idea and it's partially a history lesson. We, we touched on it earlier is this idea of the witch, just the mm -hmm. witch in general, just this idea that if a woman isn't what society views her as what she should be, then she's a witch. Mm -hmm. And man, do they come hard with that when she's in the bar with Griff? Yeah, absolutely.
Like, uh, I mean, down to the that, fact that there that are scene people, is difficult to watch. It is. And there are people literally yelling, burn the witch while and like mm-hmm. be and like and stripping her while we're watching guys unbuckle their pants and stuff. And it's like mm-hmm. this shit went sideways fast. And it was it was it was an interesting take on how quickly the hysteria of something like that can sweep through. They were yeah. obviously afraid already because they had pulled a body out of the river with a pentagram on it. Mm-hmm. And so they were, you know, but so at that point, it's like they're just looking. They're just looking for a reason. And then, you know, it's it's burn the witch killer, but then also there are these guys that are about to rape her. Like that, that to, whole scene was so it was just like I said, just sideways. To me, it felt like a great callback, uh, whether it was done intentionally or not, to the crucible, which I'm sure we all read in high school, you know. Uh uh, and and we all certainly know about the Salem witch trials, right? You know, and um, everything that went on in in Salem and the the surrounding areas, and and indeed all all of Europe. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, a couple hundred years before then, of course, America's always a uh, uh, a little bit on the uh, slow on the intake there. But uh, yeah, there were no planes back then. It took a long time to get across <laughs> the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, like you know, when when you look you look back and and you know not the, not to do a history lesson here, but th- that's the thing when you look back, even at the Salem witch trials. My my parents just got back from Salem, uh, or they I'd say just got back. They went in October, um, but my mom was my mom came back and she's just got pictures of all the headstones of all the witches um, that that were that were lynched in Salem, and you know and and once once the dust cleared. And everybody looked back at the stories. It's like, man, um, that woman was killed because she owned land, you right. know. And and at the time, that was no, 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 no. You don't get to own land. You're yeah. a witch, and you know. And that's what we got here. But we got it with an actual literal witch, you know. Like she right, called herself right. a witch. But again, that's that's how you that's how you do it. You bring it to the forefront by by like persecuting an actual witch you know like like you you show what the hysteria around that but something can be like but you know it's not just this ideal of a witch it's like no this woman has said about a hundred times that she's a witch so i i really like the idea that um a woman uh not that i like the idea of this but i i like the allegory of how like a, a woman can feel so helpless in um in the way of romance and and trying to be adequate simply adequate for a man that she feels like she has to turn to magic to make that happen uh because i i know i know a number of women uh in my life single women who are like fantastic people and um when when i overhear them talk about this you know it's often with other women they're not going to talk to uh to a man about this right. you know and I'm, I'm i'm not a snoop or anything like that but it doesn't take very long to start picking up on you know the the, the same things being said over and over again by single women and it, it, elaine's character the way she feels that's a very real thing yeah. And uh and, and her being a witch and using sex magic to turn into love magic, like that's sure it's it's fantasy in the way that it's presented in the movie, but that's that's also the way that women actually feel. And and uh, to me, when when you can take such a 
a real thing and turn it into something that makes uh, an engrossing movie that's uh, that's fun and exciting to watch, but also horrifying to watch and beautiful to watch all at the same time. Like you have created a work of literature and a work of art that is at once timeless and timely. Yes. Yeah. Timely is a great, because yeah, timely, it, it, it fits. I mean, it's, it's amazing how you, you take all of these ideas and these throwbacks for this movie, and then you make something that is, you know, a, a hot take on Mm. modern culture, which is, you know, which is, I could imagine, I would only imagine a very hard crossroads to find. And so it, it did that very, very well. So speaking of how well it did it, we have reached that point in the show where we are going to rate the movie. Now, if you are new to Shiver, we like to remind you, or I guess if you're new, we'd like to tell you. But if you listen all the time, we like to remind you that we only rate a movie against itself. And that's why every week we create a unique rating system. We go with something out of five that is related to this movie. And Dave absolutely knocked this one out of the park. One thing which I never do, which we, (laughs) which we we talked about how when she when she buried uh, the the professor that she Wayne that she had had sex with, she left a witch bottle on his grave, and they it was a very loving gesture. We would like to point this out. It it was a very loving gesture, in the same way that a cat might leave a dead lizard at the foot of your bed. (laughs) <laughs> and so what that witch bottle was, was a used tampon jar full of piss. But she did make sure to tell us that tampons aren't gross. And she she made that very clear. So <laughs> it really it really encapsulates a lot about this movie to, to, to say it. So out of a possible five used tampon jar full of piss. Dave, what do you give the love witch? So I, I went back and forth on this because I've used as uh, as a sort of litmus in the past um, whether I would tell someone they should watch this movie, whether I would recommend this movie or not. Um, and I think I would be very judicious with who I recommend this movie to. Right. Um, that said... This movie, I think, is uh, so jaw-droppingly beautiful, and uh, like from a technical standpoint, and it's so much fun to tear apart from a critical and literary like uh, analysis standpoint, and it's it's so meaningful and su- such an incredible. Um, like work of of passion and love by Anna Biller that uh, I think to give this anything less than a five is, uh, is doing a disservice to everyone involved. Uh, So, so I, I, I think that I do think I would give this a five, even though I, I can't think of very many people offhand that I would recommend this movie to at this moment. Right. I, I think if the right person comes along, um, 
I would recommend this in a heartbeat. And I, I have already actually recommended this movie to a couple people. And uh, the few who actually did sit down and watch it have told me that they did love this movie. So uh, so that is one of those like reassuring things. You know, when I tell someone, hey, you should watch this movie, and they say, oh, wow, that movie was really good. Um, that's one of those reassuring things that, um, you know, the, the movie is in fact as good as I initially thought it was. So, uh, so I'm going to go with five on this. Um, I'm not going to go quite that high. Um, and part of the reason is because of the fact that, that you're right. Like I, I, there's a very limited scope of people that I'm going to recommend this one to. Uh, well, I think that, I, I think that, that this did all of the things that set out to do well, I do think that you've got to have, you know, you've got to have a really deep rooted love for the source material. Like just like back at the top, when I said, it's a lot like kill bill, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have, if you don't have a love for a Kurosawa film, you know, there are going to be things that happen in this movie that just take you completely out of the moment. Oh, Renisha getting her head cut off being one of those moments. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so there, there, there are plenty of times that that happens in this movie. And for me, there were only a select few of them that I kind of was like, eh. most of the time I felt like I was in on the joke. That was always a, mm -hmm. uh, I, that was always um, uh, uh, an old podcast I had called what's good. My co-host and I, Lewis, yeah. whenever we would look at things, it was, it was, we would always celebrate that moment when, when the, the creators were suddenly in on the joke and, and we're, we're selling out towards that. And th there is that, there is those moments where it's, where it's sold, where you're, you're just like, okay, no, I get it. That was done on purpose. And so, while I don't want that to take away necessarily from how much I like the movie, because I did really love it. I do see that as being something where it did occasionally happen too often and you know there there could have been some longer stretches without something like that necessarily being a throwback mm -hmm. i'm not going to deduct a lot for it though um you know we do, we we do full and half i'm only, I, i'm not going to take a, a a whole star off for that like i would maybe go 425 if we did that but i'm going to give this movie the benefit of the doubt and i'm going to ride it up to 4 i'm going to ride it up to 4 and a half i mm -hmm. i did really really like this I like the way that a lot of this stuff was presented. I do look forward to watching this movie again um, and finding even more things, uh, you know, like some of those, there were, there were so many great little things that, that were just there that I didn't even think about till afterwards. Like that, that look of like the high cheek unblended blush yeah. and um, some of the hard, the hard, the hard cuts and just the real sudden fades that happen with, with no, there's no expectation of a fade being here. And suddenly yeah. you're just looking at a black screen. Some there, of that there, there's even, there's even what I suspect are intentional editing mistakes, like continuity mistakes. Right. Uh, uh, and particularly in that, uh, the scene at the, the, the burlesque club where they're tearing her dress off there you see them tear the dress off it cuts away it cuts back and her dress is half on and right it cuts away and it cuts back again and the dress is like part way off so it's it's one of those things where it's like the the movie uh like biller went to such like painstaking lengths to to like cover all the minutiae of of, of absolutely everything 
why is that there? Right. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, it must be intentional. And that's something that happened a lot in those old Hammer Horton movies yeah. because you're working on a shoestring budget. You're working on a, an awful time, uh, you know, regiment and, and these things just happen. Yeah. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, you know, for, for it being uh, a love letter and, and, a, and a satire of those kinds of movies, like you, you really do have to have an affinity for them. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean we we are the target audience for this movie. Absolutely. The, the the people who 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 watch and listen to this podcast, they're the target audience for this movie. You know, there's a reason that it had a very very limited US release and its box mm -hmm. office numbers are abysmal because this isn't the type of thing you're going to put in in a in a big multiplex and you know is and is going to pull people in who are going to take it seriously at all. Like this the, there this was I mean this is a laser focused audience. Like, yeah. like that, that this is shooting at and it, it hit us perfectly. So, which is why when you, when you tend to look at what the reviews are for this movie, they're stellar because the people who are reviewing this movie are its yeah. target. I mean, audience. It's 88, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. Uh, I mean, yeah. So the, the people, the, yeah, the people who are taking the time not, to watch. Oh, wow. 95% on Rotten oh, wow. Tomatoes. And the Metacritic score is 82%. That's what I was thinking of the Metacritic really score. high for, for Metacritic. Yeah. And so that's the thing when you, when you hit, when, 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 when this one finds where it's supposed to be in the hands of people like you and I, you and me that's that's that you you people realize how great this movie is so so there you have it we are sitting at a firm four seven five yeah uh, for the love nice. witch um i man i i didn't uh, this was one i just i had no idea what to expect so i was i was pleasantly surprised i'm, I'm glad we've had a good debate on it if you've enjoyed this make sure you head to geekbro.net or shiverpod.com which will just take you over to geekbro.net where you can find <laughs> all of our shiver stuff but you can also find a bunch of other uh podcasts on the geek bro network including what's up bro which is recording at the same time as us so maybe you're a little bit back and forth we've also got mount geek more with dave and i discussing Absolutely. all sorts of things yesterday we did an episode that turned out way better than it had any business being talking about super it pets really did <laughs> and so um you can also find our sister podcast crimecopia in case you're wondering what the real world is like when we're, we're looking at the the movie version of of horror they're talking about the real life version of horror we've got comedy <laughs> fitness a dose of ellie seasons a tv podcast kick flicks it's all there if you like it except for sports apparently was pointed out to us it, it basically anything you're into We've got a podcast for it over at geekbro.net. If you're interested in Shiver, make sure you follow us on all the social medias. We are at ShiverPod. And you may be unaware, but you can actually leave reviews of podcasts on Spotify now. So if you listen to us on Spotify, oh. it'd be great if you hit us with the four or five star. Let, them, let us know what you think. Help move us up that algorithm. See if we can get recommended to some new folks. Uh, a good boost to, uh, to to the old confidence is never a bad thing. Not at all. So <laughs> we are we have got a whole month of different types of love. Let's present it like that. We've got Absolutely. a full month of different types of love lined up for you here in February. This time next week, we are going to be watching the original 
My Bloody Valentine. So excited for this. Um, I have never seen this. I've only seen the remake with Jansen Ackles, uh, My Bloody Valentine 3D. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm very excited to watch this. I uh, My mom commented on our shiver post about it and said she went to see it in theaters at 81, I believe is when it came out. 1981. And she said, she said that like, her and slasher. her best friends were the only ones in the theater. So <laughs> very excited to watch that. We're going to do um, a movie that Netflix claims only like 17 out of 100 people finished when it premiered a couple years ago called Veronica, about the love of the daughter and her dad. And then at the end of the month, we're going to be doing something that Dave has been scratching and clawing for. And we are going to review that sweet, sweet love between a monster and his need for a mate as we watch The Bride of Frankenstein. We're going back to the 30s at the end of February, folks. It was shot down when we first started Shiver Up in 2017 or so. I said, "Hey guys, what if we do what? What, what if we do Frankenstein or Dracula or better yet, The Bride of Frankenstein?" And they said, "Nah, dude." And I said, "Okay, okay, okay." What? And and everything was just shot down. Right. It's about time we go back to basics here. So right? this 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 month will mark the first full month of recordings where every one of these movies is something I'm just seeing for the first time. Cause I've actually never, I've seen Frankenstein, but I've never seen Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. So we've got plenty to bring you here. Like I said, make sure you follow us at shiver pod. Give us a like comment on something. Give us a share. All that stuff help moves us up. Dave sound good. Oh, it's a, I, I am here to watch you uh, <laughs> pop your cherry week <laughs> after week. After a week, I'm really excited about this. I, I, I'll be with you on uh, on February 16th for Veronica. That'll be the first time, or Veronica, uh, yes. because it is it is from uh, España. It is indeed, and, uh, and that that is exciting. The motherland for me. With- so, uh, uh, I mean, wreck, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's hey. some pedigree there. Oh, yeah, exactly. Know? Plus, love a good movie with subtitles because I crunch very loudly so I can snack all I want. Never miss a and thing. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Never miss a thing. So <laughs> from us here at Shiverpod to you, thank. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Fright you very much.